Welcome in to another episode here of Home Field Advantage. Hope you're all having a great week or weekend, however, or wherever you may be listening to this podcast across our great country or our great land. If you're watching live on Instagram today on Saturday afternoon, thanks for tuning in. Just a quick agenda of what we're going to be talking about today, um, in case you missed it. I think this is our third or fourth episode of Home Field Advantage with Will Highland for the season. And the dominant topic of conversation for most of them has been the NFL playoffs. So that will continue for the next few minutes. But then I'm going to spend the last like maybe 10 to 20 minutes of the episode talking about something that has resurfaced, I think, um, every few months in the sports world and specifically in the NFL world. And that is this debate between... Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. Um, so I'll touch on that too uh, real fast. I teased it last week. I want to finish up with that. But first, where we start and where we sit heading into this weekend uh, here on Saturday night. And of course, if you're listening after the weekend, you know the outcome of this uh, game already or of both games. But we have the championship weekend, which for most of my life growing up was a big weekend. It in I mean, for eight straight years, it involved the New England Patriots. And for, I believe, um, let's see, I think 13 years um, of my life, the Patriots played in that game. So it was a huge deal growing up. Now, it sort of went from being the New England Patriots Invitational to the Kansas City Chiefs Invitational. So we'll talk about that game in a second because it translates into our uh, Travis Kelsey discussion. But where I want to begin is with the NFC game. Now, the NFC game, to me, isn't as exciting as I think it appears on the surface. And here's why. So this game, Philadelphia has been the best team all year. This game is in Philadelphia. It's a West Coast team traveling east. All right. It's not necessarily got the buzz that it would have been if it was Eagles and Cowboys or if it was, um, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers like we have seen uh, in the 2020 season. Um, Even last season with the um, Rams and the 49ers, it had a little bit of a rivalry aspect to it. This doesn't fit that bill. So there's not a lot of hype there. Uh, It has nowhere near the hype of the AFC game. And the other thing about the NFC game that I think people are trying to make it a, they're trying to make it a quarterback matchup. But to me, this is less about the quarterbacks for both teams and more about the skilled players. Not taking anything away from Brock Purdy, you heard me last week, I sung his praises. And obviously, I've been a Jalen Hurts guy, you know, for six or seven years at this point, since he was back at Alabama. So it's not that I don't respect the quarterbacks, I just don't think that you can apply the same hype to this game in terms of the quarterbacks as you can the AFC game. And so I think it's sort of an elementary way of looking at it. And 
So to me, it's less about the quarterbacks in the NFC game and more about the skill players. What I mean by that is, if you look at the San Francisco 49ers, they have skill players up and down the roster. They have Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. I mean, it goes up and down the roster, how many skill players they have at Brock Purdy's disposal. That's why I sort of felt foolish not believing in the 49ers for the first half of the year um, because Purdy has played really well with this surrounding group and Kyle Shanahan has that offense clicking. And then for Philadelphia, it's also about the skilled players. And what I mean with them is, for Philly, they were a borderline playoff team last year. They were the seventh seed. They ended up going to Tampa and getting rolled. This year, they went out and invested in their skilled positions, right? You've got another year of Devonta Smith. You have A.J. Brown as the key investment, who is probably the game changer there. He's had some his ups and downs, just like he did in Tennessee, um, especially you know if you're looking at it from a fantasy football point of view. But by and large, he's sort of made the difference in that offense. Now, I haven't watched a lot of uh, Eagles football this year, They've been in prime time a decent amount, but um, I haven't invested a lot in that team on a weekly basis in terms of watching them. But what I will say is that this team has the coaching X factor as well that they didn't necessarily have in recent seasons when they were trying to um, get back to that Super Bowl mountain that they reached in 2017. So I think ultimately Peterson lost the locker room there in Philly a few years after the Super Bowl. And then, you know, it took him a second to build it back up with Sirianni. But um, I, I think they're right there. So if I had to pick this game, talking about the skilled players, don't want to leave out the defense. I think both defenses have risen to the occasion um, this year. I think San Francisco's defense has gotten better as the year has progressed. But... If I had to pick this game, just based on what I've said in the last few minutes, I like the Philadelphia Eagles, and the reason why is they're at home. Now, San Francisco's played back-to-back home games. They back-to-back home games against the Seahawks, which they won pretty convincingly, and the Cowboys, which, albeit a close game, to me, I feel like they were sort of in the driver's seat the most, no, excuse me, the majority of that game. For this game, San Francisco has to travel across the country to an East Coast opponent. Haven't yet done that in the playoffs. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I don't even know how many times they did that during the win streak, let alone the entire regular season. So I like Philadelphia, no pun intended, because of the home field advantage. I I just think Philadelphia has a really raucous home crowd. We've seen them in recent years, most notably their Super Bowl year, where they were the one seed and they sort of rode that crowd to the um, to the Super Bowl, uh, especially in the NFC title game when they played the Vikings and you know absolutely obliterated them. I don't know if it's going to be that kind of blowout. I don't think so. I think San Francisco's too good offensively to not score points. Um, but... The other reason, and not just about the intangibles, is that I really like Jalen Hurts in this position. Look, this is a guy that throughout his college career 
had a lot of ups and downs. He played in some big games. He lost some big games in his career. That national championship in 2017 against Clemson, head to head with Deshaun Watson, was probably the best um, college football champ- national championship of my lifetime. He's also won some pretty big games when he came in in relief of Tua during an SEC championship game and helped lead Alabama to a victory then. Then over at Oklahoma, playing in the Big 12, had a lot of big Saturday games. And then here in the NFL, his few years in the league, helped lead the Eagles to the playoffs last year, has helped them win a lot of their big games this season that has helped them be the number one seed. So I really like the intangibles of Jalen Hurts, not just the intangibles of the environment, and I like what Sirianni has done with this team. So I'm picking the Eagles. I think it's going to be close. Um, but when push comes to shove, I think Philadelphia takes home the win. All right, AFC game. The AFC game is a little bit harder to pick. Now, there's a lot going on in this game uh, in terms of the pre-hype. And it's really boiled down to three factors. The first is they're billing this a Mahomes versus Burrow matchup. All right, that's obvious. Those two are on their way. I think Mahomes is already there, but Burrow is on his way to being the face of the league as well. I think Joe Burrow has that sort of like small town kid turned rock star mentality that Americans like to fall in love with. So there's a lot of hype about the quarterbacks in this game, right? Joe Burrow being a number one overall pick in 2020. That was also the year that Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. So both of them are very uh, new to the spotlight, you know, five years or less. And there's a lot of excitement around those two. So that's the storyline number one. Storyline number two is that it is a rematch of last year's AFC title game. Same building, same teams, roughly the same roster. And as I mentioned last week, there's a couple of... Um, conflicting, uh, I shouldn't say conflicting, I, I guess, yeah, I guess they're, I guess they are conflicting. There's a couple of conflicting examples in recent modern NFL history where teams that meet each other again in the playoffs, let alone the conference title game, have varying results. So recently in 2015, uh, actually, I believe it was eight years ago or six, uh, seven years ago today, uh, in the, actually in the calendar year 2016. The Patriots went to Denver for an AFC Town game for the second time in three years. And they lost in a game that played out a lot like the game two years prior when the Patriots lost on the road. Now, the difference in that game or excuse me, between those two games, was the Patriots roster in 2015 was pretty different than it was in 2013. And the Broncos were dealing with an older Peyton Manning. So wasn't necessarily an apples-to-apples situation of what we're going on this year, where it wasn't necessarily the same because of back-to-back seasons. It didn't qualify for that. And the rosters weren't nearly as similar as they are in this year's game. Now, you can go back a couple years further, 2011-2012, back-to-back seasons. The Patriots hosted the Ravens at Gillette Stadium back-to-back seasons. So, 
2011, 2012, 2013, and 2015. So four out of five seasons, the AFC title game featured two identical matchups um, more than once, uh, twice each. So I know that sounds a little bit you know, jumbled, but in the 2011-12 scenario, Patriots won in 2011. That was a famous Billy Cundiff missed field goal. Then in 2012, Ravens came back into Foxborough and beat um, the Patriots on their home field, uh, doing largely in part to a slow first half by the Patriots and a Stephen Ridley fumble, I believe, in the third quarter. So Patriots never really had a full chance in that game. Funny enough, the one year that we didn't mention was 2014, and the Patriots played the Ravens at Gillette in that year as well. So the Patriots played the Broncos and the Ravens in key playoff games quite frequently during that span. The other one we have to go off of in recent years is the Texans and the Bengals. I believe it was 2011, 12, and maybe 13. They played each other, and the I believe the Texans won each of those games. So there's a few scenarios to go off of where the same team wins multiple times, or there's also a scenario like we saw with the Ravens and Pats in 11 and 12 where they trade wins and losses. Now that sort of leads me to my third component, is even though it's a rematch, we've seen basically in the past year plus or minus a few days, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three consecutive times. The Bengals also believe they have an axe to grind. In my opinion, they should be hosting this game. I know there's something about the tiebreakers and that postponed game and all this other stuff, but I think the Bengals sort of deserve to be a one seed this year. Um... Maybe that's just my anti-Chiefs bias coming in. Um, but I, I think I think that Bengals deserved to host the game. Now, that obviously, that's not how the standings uh, go, and Roger Goodell doesn't ask me for my opinion. Um, but, but for this game, those three storylines are pretty big. And here's why I want to debunk a few of them. The first, yes, this game is absolutely about the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow... Patrick Mahomes, stars in this league. Not like the NFC game where the quarterbacks are sort of a non-story. In this game, they are the story. So while that is true, I think this game will be won by who makes a stop, who makes one more stop. And you might ask what I mean by that. Because obviously there's going to be three and outs probably. There might be a few turnovers. There's going to be scoring uh, possessions just like every NFL game. And it might sound a little bit trivial to say that, yeah, it's going to come down to a stop. But in 2021 season, pretty much a year ago, it did come down to that. It was Mahomes who's had a turnover, also can be considered a stop, in the, um, in the, in the, excuse me, in the overtime period, that famous overtime period. Um, and, and, and I think... One thing that we have to keep in mind is is there are going to be there are going to be some questionable calls. Um, the league the league really wants this game to be close. Um, this is their best shot at a marquee NFC game. Uh, excuse me, conference town game. Not that I don't think the NFC game is going to be good. So it's not going to be as good as this. So the NFL is going to want this game to be close, and so it is going to come down to the quarterbacks. 
I guess you can flip that around and say that, well, if you stop one of those quarterbacks, then isn't that really about the quarterbacks? And probably, I guess, you can make that argument. But to me, it's more about opportunistic football. Who's going to make a play at the time at the particular time when it's needed most? Who is going to commit that stupid penalty that prevents a team from getting a stop when it's needed the most? So both of these teams are really, really evenly matched, right? Travis Kelsey and and Patrick Mahomes up against Jamar Chase and you know Joe Burrow. I mean, those are two of the best passing combinations in the league, and they happen to be playing one another. So this game is about quarterbacks in that respect, but I think the outcome will be determined by which team blinks first. And that could be a defense making a mistake. That couldn't that might not just be a um, quarterback making a mistake. That could be a defense not getting a stop. So or failing with a stupid pass interference call or something like that. So that's where my mind's at with that first theme. Now the second theme about repeat matchups, look, I mean, it is what it is. They're playing each other again. I think a lot of people would have predicted this at the beginning of the year. I thought the um I thought the Bills might have been in this spot. I also thought that um, perhaps a team like the Broncos or Chargers or Raiders or Colts would have ascended. They did not. So we have this matchup again. I already talked to you about the history of these games uh, when when there are repeat matchups. And it's really not a compass in terms of what will happen again, which is also how I'm going to debunk the third storyline, which is I don't care that Joe Burrow has beaten Patrick Mahomes three times. You don't think Patrick Mahomes knows that? I've thought about this throughout the week. The Vegas line has moved up and down in this game. First, the Bengals were narrowly favored. Now the Chiefs are narrowly favored. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Mahomes' injury. But I think the Chiefs understand what this is. They know that if they lose today, they'll be three full calendar years removed from their Super Bowl win. And then next year, by the time they have a chance to potentially win another, they'll be four years removed. And this Chiefs team is supposed to be a dynasty. They're definitely aware of what's at stake. The Bengals, they've been to a Super Bowl last year. Joe Burrow, he's the most cocky guy in the NFL. Like he he believes, okay, I think he if he loses like this game, yeah, it'll suck. But the dude's won at the college level. He's been to a Super Bowl last year. He's 3-0 against Mahomes. If he loses a tough game on the road in the playoffs, I think the Bengals know that they're going to be right back there. The Chiefs sort of have to start thinking down the road a lot like the Bills are, which is okay. Unlike the Bills, they've won a ring, but it's going to be hard to keep that band together for a long time. All right, Patrick Mahomes is going to start to eat up. Patrick Mahomes, much like Allen, they're going to start to eat up a lot of salary for their teams. And I think it might start to get into the Chiefs' mind if they lose for a third consecutive year a second consecutive year to Burrow and then losing four out of five years to either Burrow or Brady in the playoffs. I think that's that might weigh on them. And I know I'm not a sports psychologist, but that's sort of where I'm at with this game is the X's and O's are even. So I was, I'm, I'm trying to think about sort of these abstract ways that I can get a handle on what's going to happen in this game. And one more thing that I'll point out is... 
I shouldn't say one more. I couldn't, I couldn't end up pointing out five more things. But, but this game, I think the Chiefs have a lot more to lose. I sort of talked about that a little bit, but just think about it. The Chiefs know what's at stake. I think the pressure is on the Chiefs, much like Patrick pointed out in last week's live chat. They know, but they're aware of that situation. And if any team, as I've said, for four years now, can pull a game out of their ass, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They've done it pretty much all of Patrick Mahomes' career. They did it, don't forget, way back when, uh, I believe they, I believe it was the, was it a playoff game? I can't even remember. They had a, they had a couple playoff wins, even in the Alex Smith era, that were sort of like, you, you're left scratching your head. Um, now, they've also lost some pretty embarrassing games, like the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers or um, or in the Alex Smith era uh, when they, I believe, lost to the Titans at home, the Steelers at home, and the Colts on the road, all in dramatic fashion. But more in the Mahomes era, they know what's at stake. They have um, the history of they know they need to win. They know... The pressure's on them. They can pull games out of their ass. All it's going to take, assuming Mahomes is healthy, is some random 65-yard pass down the middle of the Kelsey where the where Eli Apple starts thinking too much about his uh, plane tickets to the Super Bowl and less about covering an open receiver on the Chiefs. And next thing you know, the Chiefs could win the game with 11 seconds left on the clock. I mean, we know we know that Kansas City has that capability. And so for me, that's that's sort of where I'm at with this game is. I think the Chiefs are going to win, not maybe because they're the best team in the in, it, uh, in the AFC. I think the Bengals are probably the best team in the AFC, start to finish, uh, or you know front to back. Really sucks that the Patriots couldn't beat them on Christmas Eve, um, but I, I think the Bengals are right there in terms of how they play their best football late in the year. I think the Chiefs in recent you know games. I, I mean that Jacksonville win wasn't that awesome, but. I think the Chiefs pulled that game out of their butt because, you know, that's just what they do. That's what they do. They're very Patriot-like in that regard in the playoffs. So if the Chiefs get down 14, 21 points, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, shed a tear for any Chiefs fan yet because what we saw, especially in that 2019 title run, they got down big against the Titans. They got down big against the Texans. And they ended up winning both of those games. And then in the Super Bowl... I believe they were down 10 in the fourth quarter. Mahomes played pedestrian all game long. Now, if you wanted to flip that around, they were up big on Cincinnati last year and weren't able to pull the game out of their rear end. So, and Mahomes did play pedestrian in that game and he wasn't able to find a way to win that game nor the Super Bowl in the year, uh, the year prior against Brady. So, it's possible that the Bengals sort of occupy some real estate in their heads and that the Chiefs might not be able to overcome the pressure. But I'm going to ride with the Chiefs because I've been riding with the Chiefs all year long as my Super Bowl pick. I'm not going to stop now that they're hosting their fifth consecutive conference title game. So that's where I'm at. I'm riding with the Chiefs. I'm riding with um, the Eagles. And I want to see Andy Reid in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, the team that he used to coach for, the team that he couldn't get over the hump with in the Super Bowl. And, and I want to see that matchup. Um... I don't think it. I don't think it will be a fun 
matchup to watch as a Patriots fan. Eagles and Chiefs wouldn't necessarily be fun. I would much rather have Bengals and 49ers because much like that last year, I think that would be a pretty relaxing Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, I, I think I got to ride with the Chiefs because I have all year long. Now, will I be surprised if the 49ers upset the um, the Eagles or if the Bengals upset the Chiefs? Absolutely not. We've seen in recent years, such as 2018, where the road teams win these conference championship games. The Saints lost at home to the Rams and the Patriots went on the road and beat the Chiefs in 2018. Very likely scenario could happen again tomorrow. But I'm riding with who I've who I've been riding with in the AFC all year long. Um, and I'm going to dance with the girl I brought. And then as far as the NFC is concerned, the, the Eagles haven't given me a reason all season that they're not the best team in the NFC. So I'm not, I'm not going to start uh, disbelieving them now. All right. So that's where I'm staying with my picks. Now, last couple of minutes, I want to talk about the... Travis Kelsey Gronk comparisons. Now, I did think about. Now there was some talk last week on the show. I, I mentioned how I, I might end up, um, I might end up talking about the Aaron Rodgers Gronk beef. It's not really that compelling. Long story short is, Aaron Rodgers was talking about winning MVPs and Gronk. Went out and said, basically that. Aaron Rodgers should be more concerned about winning Super Bowls. Excuse me. Now, I think that's not an inaccurate statement. But there's not really much else to dissect beyond that. What there is a lot to <coughs> excuse me, talk about is this Rob Gronkowski versus Travis Kelsey. Um, who's the GOAT tight end? Uh, discussion. Now, I think if you want to sum it up one way, it is this. Rob Gronkowski walked so Travis Kelsey could run. Say that again. Rob Gronkowski walked so Travis Kelsey could run. Now, it's pretty fair to say that perhaps a guy like Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates walked so that Rob Gronkowski could run. And I might be willing to entertain that argument. But in terms of the 2010s and into this decade, Rob Gronkowski was the best tight end in NFL history. And I'm just going to say that again. He still is the best tight end in NFL history. Was, is, and yet, and will continue to be. That's, that's Rob Gronkowski. Now, I will admit it's getting a little bit interesting, this debate. Um, it's getting a little bit too close to comfort for me over here on Team Gronk. Now, you'll always be able to say that he's the best tight end because he plays the position. He blocks better than Kelsey. I'm sorry, but he does. Where Kelsey is starting to get traction is his postseason numbers. Now, I'm going to read you his postseason numbers. Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. 120 catches, nine, uh, 14 touchdowns, 11.6 yards per reception, and 1,389 total yards. Again, 120 receptions, 1,389 receiving yards, 
11.6 yards per reception, and 14 touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski also has 1,389 receiving yards. Now, I didn't plan this. I will say I saw I saw a graphic on Facebook that they had the exact amount of receiving yards, which is why I decided to do this today, even though I've been wanting to push it till after the NFL season. But Gronk has 98 catches. So he has 22 less catches. Now, Gronk has played in 22 games, and Kelsey's only played in 16. Now, if you were to pretend that that's Travis Kelsey's 16-game span was a regular season, that's, that's like as close to the best regular season of a tight end that I've seen in a while. 14 touchdowns, 11.6 yards per reception, 1,300 yards from a tight end and 120 catches in 16 games. That's pretty good. Now, Rob has played in 22 games. He's played in six more games than Kelsey, and he only has one more touchdown. They have the same amount of receiving yards, and he has 22 less catches. He also only has three point. Actually, two. Uh, let me do that, Matthew. Two point six more yards per reception than Kelsey in the postseason. So, if you're talking about postseason, it's getting pretty close, and Kelsey might have a might have an argument as being the better playoff tight end. Now, the big caveat on him being the better playoff tight end is Travis Kelsey's played in one Super Bowl, and yes, he's one and zero in Super Bowls. Rob Gronkowski has played in not one. Not two, not three, but four Super Bowls. He's a three-time champion. He won in 2014 with the Patriots, where he scored a touchdown. He won in 2000, uh, I want to say, what year was that? 2018 with the Patriots, where he had a huge catch late in the game that helped the Patriots win that game. And he also won in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Bucks, in which he had two touchdowns. So Rob has played in four Super Bowls and won three of them. Excuse me, I think he's played in five. I'm losing track of how many Super Bowls he's played in. All right, that's proving my point. All right, let me do, let me do this out loud so everyone can we can all you know go through this together. We're all members of the trust tree. We'll just go right through. All right, 2011, Patriots, he was in that Super Bowl, they lost to the Giants. All right, 2014, with the Patriots against the Seahawks, they won that game. 2016 was the Super Bowl 51 comeback, he was hurt, he had been hurt since like November that year, so he did not play in that game. So that one does not count. 2017, he played in the year in which they lost to the Eagles. I believe he had a touchdown in that game as well. I mean, Brady threw for 500 yards in that game. I'm sure one of them was a touchdown to Gronk. Uh, 2018, he had that big catch. He won with the Patriots against the Eagles. So now he's 2-2 two and two in Super Bowls. And then 2020, with the Buccaneers against the Chiefs, head-to-head with Travis Kelsey, um, Gronk had a... Uh, Gronk had a... Um, 
pair of touchdowns. So actually that corrects what I said about Kelsey. So Kelsey's played in two Super Bowls and he's one and one. Gronk's played in five and he's three and two. All right, so Gronk's played in more Super Bowls and in my opinion had more of an impact in Super Bowls than Kelsey. So that's the one big caveat on this discussion. Now, if you want to go to regular season numbers, we can do that. And then I want to just look at the eye test. All right. Regular season numbers. We've got. All right. We've got Rob Gronkowski, who played in 97 career. Um, what's what's sorry. Oh, sorry. He n played in 143 career games. I don't know what that 97 is. 97 is approximate value is our attempt to value a single number to every player. That's stupid. This is what I'm about to talk about with the eye test. I can tell you what his value is by watching him play football. All right. Anyway, again, this is starting to get a little eerie with the amount of playoff games. Excuse me, regular season games they played in. Gronk has played in 143 regular season games. He won't play in another one probably since he's retired. Kelsey's played in 144, so roughly the same amount of games in the regular season. Gronk had more postseason career uh, games, but less yards and, sorry, less receptions, same amount of yards. So this is why it's such a wash, and this is why my mind is going in a million different directions. It's because it's so close with the stats. So basically the same amount of games played. Gronk has... 621 receptions. So he has less receptions in the same amount of games. It's not a great look on Gronk. You do have to remember, though, that outside of Tyreek Hill with the Mahomes era, there hasn't necessarily been another pass catcher in um, the Chiefs' offense that has drawn the volume that Craig Kelsey would have. And Tyreek Hill was only a chief for, what was it, five years? You know, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. So yeah, he was only a chief for five years. Whereas in Gronk's time in New England, not only did you have Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola, there was also a couple of years where you had Brandon Cooks, uh, Josh Gordon mixed in there. You had Aaron Hernandez early on. Um, and then you had uh, Wes Welker early on. So there was a lot of other mouths to feed in the Patriots offense. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock into the reception numbers because honestly, both of these guys, if you throw them the ball, they're going to catch it. It's more about targets than it is about receptions with these guys. I just think Kelsey has got more targets because he's played in an offense that's more focused on him. Whereas with Gronk, for a lot of the time, he was in a... Uh, either a two tight end system or a system that had a lot of slot wide receivers and it, it was just different. Yards, this is where it's a little tough because yards, Gronk's got him by about 800 yards. Um, actually, cancel that. It's closer to 900 or 1,000. You know, Saturday night math over here. Gronk's got him by about 1,000 yards. But he also has... 200 more receptions, so that kind of makes sense because their yards per reception, it's actually Gronkowski that comes out with 15 as opposed to 12.7. So 
if you were to, you know, factor in the targets, like I said, and the receptions, you know, which I've already covered, no pun intended, then, you know, the yards and the receptions make sense. Because ultimately, Gronk actually had more yards per reception than um, Kelsey did. Now, this is where I think Gronk has the best, um, the best case. Kelsey only has 69 career touchdowns. Nice. Gronk has 92 in the regular season. So, based on this, Travis Kelsey would have to get 23 more regular season touchdowns, which I'm not saying he can't do. He would have to play probably three more years to get that, would be my guess, um, to catch Gronk in that regard. Um, and it, w- it would have taken him more regular season games to do that. So I think that's Gronk's best calling card, is that they've played right now, as it stands today, 143 games and 144 games in the regular season. That's pretty much the same amount of games. Off by one. Gronk has 23 more touchdowns. So he's well ahead of Kelsey in, in that department. Now, you know, look, I, I don't mean to rag on Travis Kelsey. He's going to be a Hall of Fame tight end. As it stands right now, he's the best tight end in the league. You know, you can make an argument for a guy like Mark Andrews or George Kittle or Aiden Hawkinson or whomever you want, but right now it is Travis Kelsey. But over time, comparing the two careers, it's really hard to walk away from this without saying that Rob Gronkowski is still a marginally better tight end than um, Travis Kelsey. As I've outlined, I don't think it's huge gaps like it was a few years ago when I first introduced this topic. But it's definitely um, still Gronkowski because he has marginally better stats if you bring in proportions, especially during the regular season. The playoffs are a little bit tough. Um, but again, as I pointed out, if you factor in Super Bowls and performances in the biggest game, I like Gronk in that moment. I do. He scored some big touchdowns in the Super Bowl, had some big catches. But more than that, why Gronk is the best tight end in league history comes down to one thing. It's the one thing that he has over Kelsey. It's the eyeball contest, right? Does he does he pat uh, does he pass the eye test? Does he win the eyeball contest? Me as a football fan watching with my naked eye, who makes more explosive plays? Who catches more contested balls? Who goes in and trucks defenders? Who catches game? Who catches touchdowns in the biggest games more? And it's Rob Gronkowski. I mean, just the fact that. He has 23 more touchdowns in the, um, in the same amount of regular season games. Tells me, without even going into the eyeball test, that he's had bigger catches in bigger moments than Travis Kelsey. Rob Gronkowski, throughout much of my life, he would catch balls draped over guys. There was a game in 2014, I want to say, against Denver, where, you know, maybe it was the year before. No, it had to have been... Anyway, it was 2013 or 14 against Denver. He leaped up. He had a bionic arm on, essentially, from all his surgeries. Gronk caught a ball with one hand above his head, came down, and I think landed at, like, the one-yard line. Right? 
He's had a lot of those. And maybe it's Patriots bias because I've just watched a lot of them. But, I mean, we've had the Chiefs shoved down our throat for five years now. Um, and and they are they are on primetime all the time. So I've seen a lot of Travis Kelsey. Seems like when he catches his touchdowns, he's standing there down the seam with nobody around him, and he catches it like this and walks in. He's not. He doesn't have a lot of contested touchdowns. Um, he he's not really a big red zone threat compared to Rob Gronkowski. I think Rob Gronkowski was way better in the red zone than um, than Travis Kelsey just on the eyeball test. And, you know, that that comes to fruition with the stats when you point out that he has, you know, almost 25 more touchdowns in the same amount of regular season games. I just think that the eyeball test favors Rob Gronkowski. He's a better blocker, right? He set up the Patriots run game in that 2018 Super Bowl run almost single-handedly. Between him and that uh, fullback, James Devlin, they were setting up and letting the Patriots be a complementary offense. Rob Gronkowski... Maybe he wasn't the receiving threat in his later years that he was, you know, between 2011 and 2016. But Rob still had big moments. Even after he came out of retirement, he gave up a year of his prime, came out of retirement, had a great season with Tampa, and caught two touchdowns in the, in the, uh, in the Super Bowl. So the eyeball test favors Rob Gronkowski. It does. I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, who are going to, you know, tell me that I'm a homer and that you know, all this and that, but I, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I see. And, and what I see is that Rob has had a better career. He's battled way more injuries, right? Think about all that time that Gronk missed, right? Like that's the only reason why um, Travis Kelsey's anywhere close to him in games played. It's because all those regular season games that Rob missed because of injury, so if you want to hold them against that, I guess you can. But I tend not to hold injuries against a player when you're talking about stats, right? When you're talking about durability and should I give this guy a lot of money, um, I'll definitely hold injury against them in their, in their history with reliability. And Gronk wasn't that reliable in terms of staying on the field. But when he was on the field, his stats are just as good as Kelsey's, if not better, in many different regards. And to me, I don't think the burden of proof is on Patriots fans like myself to defend Rob Gronkowski's resume. I think the burden of proof is on Chiefs fans to tell me why Kelsey's better. I mean, you can point to he has more receptions and he has more yards, but I mean, to me, that's more about targets than it is about talent. And you might be able to say that they have the same amount of um, re- uh, playoff touchdowns and uh and uh, yards, but I, I mean, in the Super Bowl, it was Gronk that's won three of them. He's got three on his finger. I'm sorry, on his hand. Kelsey's got one, and he was kind of a ghost in that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. So, with that said, I'd love to hear what you all think. I think it's a very enticing topic, especially for Patriots fans, especially for diehard NFL guys. Like, like. I know a lot of my listeners are. A lot of diehard guys and gals who love the NFL, who listen to my show. So I'd love to hear what you all think. Feel free to drop a comment below here on Instagram if you're watching live. If you're watching on, um, excuse me, if you're listening on audio after the fact, that's fine. We're going to have that comment posted in the Spotify page. um, And we'll also have it um, on iTunes if you want to drop it in in your review. So... 
nice little shameless plug. We'd love to have you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. But as I just pointed out, we'd also love to have you leave a review. So we hope you do all those things. And I also hope you enjoy tomorrow's NFL action. It will be fun to see where the uh, chips fall after tomorrow's games. Uh, and we'll have plenty of talking, plenty to talk about, excuse me, leading into next week, whether that be the NHL, the NBA, some, maybe some MLB. I wanted to squeeze, I want to talk a little bit of college hoops and college football transfer portal. That might have to wait until maybe after the Super Bowl. Um, but we're, we're going to have plenty more where that came from. But until next time, I hope all you fans have a great rest of your weekend. You've been listening to a special live edition of Home Field advantage. Kyle Diesel and the Deergo Daily News. All these programs are produced independently under the Sportland USA podcast network and the views expressed on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.